begin this morning on our lesson. We'll be focusing on trusting God. Trusting God. We're going to begin by focusing on a few verses, just simply reading a few verses about trusting God. If you have a pen, pencil, paper handy, I would encourage you to write these down and go back and look at them uh, later. But here is the, uh, the first passage from 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. 1 Timothy 4 and verse uh, number 10. Same book, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in the uncertainty of riches, but rather uh, trust in the living God who gives us uh, richly all things to uh, enjoy. And going back to the Old Testament, we're familiar with Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, one of our favorites, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not upon thine own understanding. In all thy ways uh, acknowledge Him and He shall uh, direct your paths. Proverbs uh, 3, verses 5 and 6. And then over to the book of Psalms, chapter 32, beginning in verse 10. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love, mercy, mercy surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Mercy surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Psalm 56 and verse 4. From Psalm 32, verse 10 to Psalm 56 and verse 4. In God, whose word I praise, in God I will trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh uh, do unto me? So that's Psalm 56 and verse 4. Psalm 56 is one of my all-time favorites. Psalm 62 and verse 7 and 8. Psalm number 62, verses 7 and 8. On God rest my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is our refuge. God is our refuge for us. Psalm number 84, verses 11 and 12. Psalm number 84, 11 and 12. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows His favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Going over to Isaiah now, Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26 this is my favorite passage beside Proverbs chapter 3 and besides, um, besides Psalm 32 and besides 1 Timothy 4 and verse 6. This is my favorite passage here. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You keep him in perfect peace, O God. Well, who is that? You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. From Isaiah to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves shall remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease uh, to bear fruit. So from uh, Jeremiah, we're looking over now to the prophet Habakkuk. 
Habakkuk had this to say toward the end of his book. He said, though the fig tree should not blossom, Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, though the fig, fig tree should not blossom, though the fruit not be on the vines, the produce of the olive uh, fails, and the fields uh, yield no food, though all this happens, even though the, the flocks shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my uh, salvation. We're going to stop right there and talk about trusting in the Lord uh, this morning. And we're going to let Abraham be our guide. Abraham will be our guide to help us learn more about trusting in the Lord. What does it mean? What are the identifying marks of trusting in the Lord? What does it mean to trust in the Lord. Well, if we follow the life of Abraham, then we'll get a good idea of what it means to trust uh, in our God. Okay. Notice this passage about Abraham, uh, Romans 4, beginning in verse 20. Romans 4, verse 20. Yet, looking unto the promise of God, he wavered not through unbelief, but he waxed strong through faith, giving glory to God. And being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That is about Abraham, and that's going to be our guide. He's, he's our example this morning. In the first place, Abraham believed that God simply will keep his promises. Abraham will believe that God will keep his promises. But another way of saying that is, Abraham believed that God will do what he says he will do, even though he has not yet done it. That's what it means to believe in the promises of God. He believed that God will do what He says He will do, even though He has not yet done it. You see, in Genesis 12 and verse 3, when God called unto Abraham and said, Through your seed, through your family... Uh, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. All the nations of the earth, all the families of the earth will be blessed uh, through your seed. You see, God spoke of how that Abraham's seed would become numerous even before it actually came into existence, into reality of actually being that way. But God spoke of it as, as on its way. And Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. You see, Galatians 3, verse 16 says, this seed promise that was going to come through Abraham would eventually be Jesus Christ. Not of seeds as plural, Galatians 3, Paul says in Galatians 3, 16, but rather seed singular, that seed is Christ. Now, there is something about Abraham who, in, in, in the sense that he knew about this, he could not fully grasp all there is to know, of course, about Jesus Christ. But there was something about what God said to him and how God said it and his following God that he understood that in some way or another there was going to be a great blessing God was going to bring through his seed and it was going to be in a person by the name of Jesus Christ. Abraham believed that. Okay. Notice what Jesus says in John 8. In verse 56, he said to the Jews, and the Jews were so focused 
on their heritage. We're children of Abraham. We're, they would say, we're children of Abraham. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Well, Jesus said this, John eight fifty six. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it. And he was glad. You see, Abraham could, by faith, by faith in the promises of God, Abraham could look toward time. Time on earth where he would not be here, of course, but he knew there would be something like Christ coming for the salvation of the sins of the world. And so trusting God means that we believe that God will do what he says he will do, even though he has not yet done it. Think about how the Abraham was called to leave his home. And he and his family wandered about in tents. The Bible says they went to like 17 different places. When God called Abraham, he was probably a little younger than 75 years old. When Abraham died, according to Genesis 25, Abraham was 175 years old. For a hundred years and more, Abraham and his family left their home and they wandered about in tents. But never mind. It's okay with Abraham. Because we read about it, his faith, and his family's faith in Hebrews 11, 10 through 16. It's okay. They didn't have a desire to go back home to the Ur of Chaldees because they were looking for a city. So Hebrews 11, 10. They were looking for a city that was beyond this earth. That was much greater than anything this earth would, would bring. They were looking for a city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. You've read that. It's right there. Hebrews 11 and verse 10. Notice in Hebrews 11 verse 16, it says they look for a, a better country. See, there is something better than this. There's something better than this. And we'll make the point a little bit later on, but it needs to be said here as well. Abraham was very rich. Growing up in the Ur of the Chaldeans, that was one of the great cities of the ancient world. He knew what it was to have everything you could have in this life, but they looked for a better country, even a heavenly one, where God is not ashamed to be called their God. Hebrews 11, verse 16. That's what it means to trust God. It means to believe He's going to fulfill His promises. It means to believe that God will do what He says He will do, even though He's not yet done it. And that ought to apply to our lives. We read in Matthew 6 and verse 33, it's still good Scripture, even though we've read it before, it's still good Scripture. When Jesus said, Seek ye first, and He was talking right in the midst of worry and stress about what you're going to put on your body, what are you going to eat, what are you going to do from day to day, your very survival. Jesus is talking about it there in Matthew 6. And He comes down and makes this strong point. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And Paul follows that up in Philippians 4, 19 and he has been commending the church at, at uh, Philippi. And I tell you what, it's hard to get away from the book of Philippians because it's just so rich with practical living advice. Paul's Paul had been commending the Christians in Philippi because they had given to his work and to the work of ministry and 
saving souls in general. They had given not just one time, but again and again. And then he said this to them in Philippians 4.19. He said, My God shall supply your every need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's how Paul took it. Paul believed in Matthew 6.33. Matthew he reiterated it there in Philippians 4.19. These promises of God, we must take them personally. This trusting God... We must take it personally. In fact, we as followers of the Savior, Jesus of Nazareth, we as followers of Jesus, we must lead the world in trusting the Lord. A second thing here about trusting God. What does it mean? Trusting God means simply to walk by faith, not by sight. Trusting God simply means to walk by faith, not by sight. You recognize that, that statement from 2 Corinthians 5, 7 when Paul said it as he was contemplating leaving this earth one day. But it also aptly describes Abraham because according to Hebrews 11 and verse 8, when God called Abraham way back in those, in those ancient times, way back in Genesis chapters 11 and 12, way back when Abraham was still uh, living in Ur, of the Chaldeans. When God called Abraham, he called him to go into a land which he would eventually inherit, but he went out. It says, by faith, Abraham, he went out, as God said, toward a land which he would eventually inherit. He obeyed. And then notice this in Hebrews 11.8. It says, he obeyed not knowing where he was going. Not knowing where he was going. That, that's, that's walking by faith, not by sight. God said, go. Abraham went. He didn't know hardly anything about the land in which he was going. He, he had not traveled in that direction whatsoever. But they took off toward Haran and then further. And he trusted God. He didn't have a map. He didn't have a radar. He didn't have a GPS. But he took off and went because he had trust in the Lord. He walked by faith, not by sight. We need this kind of vision. We desperately need this kind of vision in our lives. To walk by faith and not by sight. Someone has said, and might say this, I can't see how I can ever get past what somebody has done to me. I can't see. I can't see myself ever overcoming what somebody has said to me. I just can't see it. This is when we need to walk by faith, not by sight. You see, the Lord says to get past it. The Lord says to develop a forgiving spirit. Notice it there in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, every bit of it, let all bitterness... And wrath and malice be put away from you. Put all envy away from you. And be you kind one to another. We're not making this up, are we? Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Be you kind one to another. Forgiving each other. Even as God in Christ, even as, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Yeah. 
God says, believe in me and get over it. Believe in me and do it. Somebody might say, well, I can't see myself doing that. Well, maybe not, but by faith you can. God doesn't call upon us to change other people, but He does call upon us to allow Him to change us. And He calls upon us to share the same Word of God that may, with other people that maybe they will allow God to change them. But we're not in the business, business of changing other people. We are in the business of introducing them to God and His Word so that they will also have a heart that will allow them to allow God to change their heart. But we, don't, we can't change somebody else, but we can allow God through His Word to change us. Someone also might say, I can't see myself ever really becoming a mature Christian. I can't see myself uh, having the knowledge that I need to have. I don't ever see it. Well, we've got to walk by faith. We've got to believe in God and search His Word. Peter says in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge. We've got a desire to do it. We've got the desire. By faith we can do it. We can grow. Someone might say, well, I can't ever see myself being the impact for Christ that, that I know God wants me to be. I can't ever see that. I can't ever see that. So what we're trying to say is God can make things happen that we can't see right now, but we've got to walk by faith and keep doing His will. And we can become a great impact for him. No doubt about it. But here's what we've got to do. If we're going to be a great impact for Christ, we have to believe in the power of the message. We have to believe in the power of the word. And we have to believe that there are good and honest hearts still in this world. And there are. We have to believe that those good and honest hearts will make a change as they read God's Word. And we have to get out of the way. We have to get out of the way and stay out of the way. All we're trying to do is build a bridge, help build a bridge between God and other people. And we do that by showing them the Word of God and then getting out of the way and staying out of the way. Vision. Vision. Once Jesus said in John 4, 35, he said to his disciples, he says, um, don't you say that in four months the harvest is coming? He said, I say unto you, look unto the fields right now, for they're white already. They are white already unto the harvest. He was trying to teach his disciples to look around. There are plenty of people who need their help, and they could share the good news with them if they would just learn to look. Vision. Vision. Trusting God means we're going to walk by faith and not by sight. A third thing that trusting God means, it means to believe God even when things or situations seem impossible. Trusting God means to believe in Him, stay with Him, even when situations seem impossible. Abraham faced this. Abraham certainly faced this. We read about it in Romans uh, chapter 4 here. Concerning the fact that God had kept coming back to Abraham and saying, you're going to receive a son through Sarah. Through Sarah. And 
Along the way, Abraham had difficulty really swallowing all that, but finally it did happen. And finally, God said, this time the next year, you know, Sarah's going to have a child. And, you know, you know, both Abraham and Sarah laughed at that at first. This is a side little note there. Genesis 17, 17. Genesis uh, 18, something, 12 or so. Both, both laughed at, at the idea of Abraham being 100 years old and Sarah being 90 years old and they're going to have a child and this is the child through whom God's going to bless the world and eventually bring Jesus Christ in. Yes, that's what's going to happen. And yes... At least in that, that year, that year in which the child was coming, Abraham, he grew strong in faith. Notice here in Romans uh, chapter 4, verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he was considering his own body, which was as good as dead. Okay, He, he just couldn't see from, from the world's viewpoint from his own viewpoint, from his human standpoint, he couldn't see how his own body could ever be a dad again or cause to be a dad again. And so just his body just as good as dead uh, since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness, the deadness of Sarah's womb, both of them are way past the time to do all this, to bring children into the world, and yet God said he was going to do it, and he believed. He believed. Even in something that impossible, he believed. Let's not leave this idea. Trusting God, even when a situation seems impossible. Look at this example from Hebrews 11. Later, much later, after Isaac is here, and after Isaac has become a young man, later, God tests Abraham to go and take his son Isaac and sacrifice him on the mountain. Moriah, and there went Abraham to do this, and you wonder, well, how does this compute? How, how is Abraham able to compute this in his mind? Following God, now he wants me. I've been following God now all these years. Now God wants me to take this son whom he promised in our old age and brought to pass in our old age. Now he wants me to go and sacrifice him like an animal on Mount Moriah and Abraham went to do it. How did he compute that? How did he solve this equation he was facing? Years ago when we were in Montgomery, I was taking some courses and it was time for me to take differential equations. Differential equations. I didn't really take the class. The class took me. <laughs> I did take it. Faulkner didn't offer the class. But technically I needed the class. And so they sent me over to Lambeth University to take the class. The teacher over there, very intelligent fellow, I noticed that going into the class and you looked, and you looked at the syllabus, there was, there was nothing to buy. There was not one book to buy, and for good reason. When you walked into his classroom, there were chalkboards on, on every wall, just lined in the wall. You were surrounded by chalkboards, and you never sat down in class. You were always standing at the chalkboard. 
And there was always an equation or problem in front of you, and you are to solve that problem. Standing in front of the problem, standing in front of that equation, you were to solve that problem. He would walk around and try to give you hints and so forth based on your prior knowledge. And so you had some, you had some problems, equations just facing you, facing you. But here is an equation that seems very impossible facing, facing Abraham. To go and sacrifice your son on Mount Moriah, what could have been in Abraham's mind? Well, we knew. And we know by reading Hebrews here, 11 and verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So the key to solving that equation, which is also the key to solving a lot of our problems, is the power of God. Do we believe in it? He knew God had the power. God was going to, God had already promised that through Isaac, the world must be blessed. So that's on Abraham's mind. But then also, if he's asking me to do this, he must be testing me. So I need to go on through it. And so he must be willing or able or aiming to bring Isaac back from the dead. And in a manner of speaking, he had already received him back. What does that mean? Figuratively speaking, he had already received him back. Well, the thing is, Abraham already played this in his mind. He played all this out in his mind. He already worked through this. He was determined to go ahead and obey the Lord no matter what. Because he was fully persuaded that God was able to do anything in order to keep his will going on earth. Something to explore there. He'd already played it out in his mind. He was going to obey regardless of whatever might be before him. And that's because he trusted in God. Trusting God means that we believe in Him, we stay with Him, we continue to submit to Him, we continue to worship Him, even when, when things seem impossible. In the fourth place, trusting God means to be firm in our faith. In the fourth place, trusting God means to be firm in our faith. One thing we learn later in Joshua's day from God is something about Abraham's family. Abraham's father served idols. Notice this from Joshua 24 and verse 2. Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Long ago, this is God speaking to Joshua and the people. God said, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. And Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. But that didn't characterize Abraham. Abraham is the father of the faithful. Abraham was a strong man of faith. He was firm in his faith. He was, he was resolute in his faith. He was confident in his faith. And he did not even let the persuasions of his father or grandfather or whoever it might have been to keep him from following the Lord in a faithful way. In other words... Abraham did not measure his religious activities by what his family was doing or not doing. 
He followed the Lord because he knew that the Lord was the true God. Abraham understood that truth was more important than any family connection, and it is. Remember in Matthew 10, Jesus says, He that loves father or mother or more than me is not worthy of me. In Matthew 10, Jesus said, He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The Abraham understood that there were things more important than the blood of man. And I believe that Abraham somehow or another got a glimpse of the fact that there would be the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is certainly more important than the blood of man. And then finally, trusting God means to become more and more unselfish and sacrificial. Trusting God means to become more and more unselfish and sacrificial. We read in, in Genesis 13, 1 and 2, that Abraham was very rich. Rich in cattle, rich in gold, rich in silver. And if you do a little further reading there back in those ancient days, and you read about Ur of Chaldees, it was the greatest city in existence in those days. Excavations have revealed that there were in Ur uh, houses that were two-story houses that were, that were well-furnished, uh, most of what they find in excavations in Ur were, were large houses, uh, things that we would see in certain places in our society, but not in, certainly not in every place in society. Most likely, this is the kind of dwelling that Abraham lived in. He lived in a very, very, very nice place. Very nice place. He had all the riches and the cattle that he would possibly need, and God called him to leave, and he did not knowing where he was going, and to commit to the fact that he would live in tents with Isaac and Jacob for the remainder of his life. Abraham did this. Without question, he did it. As I said, he probably visited and lived in more than 17 different places during those ancient times, but also he would visit those places. He would move from from place to place and come back and live in the same place again. He was constantly moving around because this is what God's will was for him and he was glad to give all that up. Just think of all the property holdings that Abraham likely gave up to do the will of God. And Jesus in our day, in his day and for us today, he comes to us and he says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, Matthew 16, 24. Trusting in God has a lot to do with how much you're willing to give up. Trusting God means that we hold on to things loosely. Have you ever tried to battle with a little uh, toddler? who has his favorite toy or favorite stuffed animal? You ever try to get that away from him or her? Thousands of armed men could not do it because they are attached to that toy. And that's okay for a child, but it's not so okay for us adults. To become attached to this world is an abomination before God. 
in a moment, we're going to be gathering around the communion table. So just for a moment, let's think about Jesus on the cross. His enemies paid him a great compliment and they didn't even know it. They were trying to mock him. Look over to Matthew 27 and 43. And they're mocking him, but they said, to him, they said toward him, from the ground up toward Jesus hanging on the cross for the sins of the world, they said, he trusts in God. Let him come deliver him. They were mocking Jesus, but they didn't know that they were paying him a great compliment. He trusted in God. And that's why Jesus was on the cross, because he did trust in God. Appreciate so much the song that Tim led for us prior to Bible class. I'm going to bring it up again here. The last verse of each step I take, and then we'll sing our invitation song. Now we sing this song and we are applying it to us. This song has us saying this as we sing. Notice what number 201 in our songbook says, each step I take, the last verse, verse 3, has us saying in the song, singing in the song, here's what I'm singing. I trust in God, no matter come what may, for life eternal is in His hands. He holds the key that opens up the way that will lead me to the promised land. That's what we sang earlier today together. And we ask ourselves, do I trust in the Lord? Am I trusting God? We need to not only do it personally to be pleasing to God, but we need to do it to lead the world. So the world will also one day glorify God and trust Him as well. We can assist you with any uh, spiritual need this morning. If there's anything amiss in your life, if there's something in your relationship with God that needs to be repaired, or it may be that you're ready now to put Jesus on in baptism, becoming stronger in your faith, can we assist you this morning? Please let us know right now as we stand together, as we sing.